brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Charles Larson's inside story of television murder. Someone's death. Starring George Kennedy. Joyce Boulafont. And Robert Reed. In Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by Ford Motor Company and Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. The medium of television has become very much a part of our lives. Good, bad, or indifferent, television exists. When it's bad, one has only to turn it off. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for murder. Once committed... The act lingers on, as do the consequences. Nils Frederick Blixen produces television programs. Joanna Redfern is his casting director. Dan Gladstone was her boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend who met extinction when shot through the head by an unknown assailant. The police are casting young Joanna as the murderer. Nils Frederick prefers to disagree, and he's screening a large cast of character types to fill the role. Nils Frederick Blixen. He thought he knew it all. Someone's death will continue after this message. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash, and I've been around this great country of ours enough to know how important it is to get as much education as you can while you're young. If you want to start college or vocational school, this may be your chance. The government wants to give you some money if you have financial need. Can you believe that? Well, it's true. Look into a new program called Basic Grants to see if you qualify. Hurry on over to the county agent, post office, or nearest school for more information and an application form. A basic grant won't give you all the money you need to make it through college or vocational training, but it'll help you get on the road. It could be the most important road you'll ever walk in your entire life. And if you don't feel like walking, just write your name and address on the back of a postcard and mail it to Basic Grants. Post Office Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044. That's Basic Grants, Post Office Box 84, Washington, D.C., 20044. I overslept, got in my office about 
It was all in the paper. The murder, Joanna working on the series. At least they got my name wrong. They called me R.G. Blixman. The phone had been ringing all morning. My boss, Arthur Todd, among others. My secretary has a real brain. The trade papers, the scandal sheets, she told them all the same thing. I was out. So it's not to make her a liar. I left the executive building, passed along a row of darkened projection rooms, climbed some narrow wooden stairs to a frosted glass door marked Research. There I found old man Tibbet. He'd been in charge of this department since it opened. When he referred to the big war, he meant number one. Ah, hey. Yeah, Mr. Nils, Frederick Blixen in person. How's the new uh, series coming? Walter, I've got a tough job for you. Yeah. I want to know what magazine these words were cut out of. Can you do it? Uh, in other words, you're thinking of using this threat letter in a script? Oh, they won't let you use language like this on TV. No, just something I'm working on. What I want you to do is find what magazines these words were cut out of. Could you do it if I gave you a general area, uh, like comic books? Well, I could try. Uh, say, uh, who do I charge my time to if it's not a TV episode? To me. On the way back to my office, I stopped in at the executive washroom, which bears a slight resemblance to the Taj Mahal, and ran into my star, Murph Smith combing his hair in front of one of the mirrors, a broken-nosed, slope-shouldered man in his late 30s. This murder, Nils Frederick. I called Mr. Todd at 3 this morning and asked him to get rid of the Redfern girl. He promised he would. I always thought she was a little gummed up. Did you? Well, you know, hanging around with all those blacks. Hey, by the way, why do I have to be Jewish in this series? I didn't know things like that bothered you, Murph. You want things separate but equal, Right. Right. Did Acadia Playhouse work that way, too, when you were there? I met a friend of yours last night, Bobby something. He lives with Rene Ortiz. Oh, Bobby. Yes, yes, he went to Acadia. So did Dan Gladstone, and he was murdered. I've got it. We never mention I'm Jewish. I, I play a Jewish inside. And my secretary, Raquel, we play her blonde. A lot of Mexicans are, you know. You buy that? No. Is that clear enough? No. Oh, come on. I haven't demanded much. You haven't deserved much. You'll play it the way it's written. Is that clear? The way it's written. <laughs> come on. It's a gag. You're the producer. What the heck do I know? Okay? When I got to the studio in the morning, the Chavez test was underway. I didn't have to see it. The reports came to my office from those in the know. Cameramen, grips, all the guys on the set who'd seen him come and go. She was sensational, was all they said. Finally, I decided to go down and take a look for myself. When I reached the door of the stage, there was Preston Andrade. We were both stopped from entering by a blinking red light. Hey, pal, how are you? You started working here now? No, no. Remember you invited us? And what do you know? A friend of mine is in there testing for your series. You know Isabel Chavez? <laughs> do I know her? Boom Boom's inside. We all know each other. Then you and Isabel are friends. Oh, for years. Since my wife died in 1960. Isn't Boom Boom jealous? Jealous? <laughs> she, she hates her, even though I'm old enough to be Isabel's grandfather. It's like with you and Red. It's just Boom Boom likes to come to her set. Uh, want some coffee from the machine? I could use some. No, thanks. Incidentally, have the police been around questioning you and Boom Boom and the others? I'm not worried. I got an alibi. I was in Tijuana on business. I heard there was some good cashmere down there. 
I suppose everybody else was home. Well, Bobby and Renee were home. Boom Boom was at a preview. Phil, I'm not sure. How about Boom Boom's husband? Fred? Oh, I think he had a lodge meeting. You know, that kid Phil works too hard. All day at the drugstore, then practices, eats, and falls into bed. Where does he sleep? In my room, back of the flat. Uh, then you'd know if he ever tried to sneak out. Ah, well, I don't think he does, which is more than I can say for our little neighbor. Which little neighbor? Heidi. She sneaks out nights. Do you know that for sure? As sure as I've seen her crawl out her bathroom window. You've seen her? Many times. She has to pass my room. Where does she go? Who knows? But I know what she'd say if I asked her where she was going. What's that? Out. Hello, this is Hugh Downs. Recently, I participated in a Ford LTD fuel economy run from Phoenix to Los Angeles, where the average for five cars was 18.8 miles per gallon with standard 351 E8 engines. The high was 20.3, and I averaged 19.7. My first reaction was surprise, because I think you'll agree the numbers sound a little high. So I'd like to stress that gas mileage depends on many factors. Things like total weight, maintenance, road and driving conditions. And you might not get the same results. But probably most important of all are your personal driving habits. How you behave when you drive. And one of the things we did in the test was to make a point of never exceeding 50 miles an hour. I think all of us who participated would agree that driving reasonably is a very modest price to pay for something else you can get from a Ford LTD. The good feeling of riding in a solid, well-made automobile. The quiet riding Ford. The closer you look, the better we look. We'll return to our story in a moment. In this life, one thing counts in the bank. Large amounts. I'm afraid these don't grow on trees. You've got to pick a pocket or two. You've got to pick a pocket or two. Hello, my dears. This is Fagin calling. Otherwise known as Ron Moody. You can't pick a pocket The music you're hearing is from the score of our show, Oliver. Great things happened in those years, and great things are still happening today in many fields. One of these is the field of art research. New methods are being found to prevent and treat the art diseases, and that means longer, healthier lives for all of us. Please support this life-saving work with a gift to the Art Fund this month. It takes all of us working together. Remember, you got to pick a pocket or two now and again if you want to help. I spent just long enough on stage 16 to verify that Red's actress find, Isabel Chavez, was indeed the new Cartagirado. On the way to the office, I ran the usual gamut of disaster. My production manager beefing about the number of setups, my associate producer bringing me network static about credits. And then the front office informed me I'd lost my first choice director and would have to beat the bushes at this late date for a replacement. If that wasn't enough, I found my secretary in tears. Oh, Mr. Blixen, I hate to bring my personal problems to the office. It's, it's nothing. I mean, it's something, but it just can't be helped. Let's not talk about it. Let's. Well, it's my father. My mother called this morning from Chicago, and he's 72, 
And they just found out he's got cancer. I'm sorry, ma'am. Would you like to go there? I just can't waltz off and leave you. Not in the beginning of the season. Maybe later. We'll see. They're going to keep me notified. And if I have to go, I'll go later. Oh, so now I've added another little straw to your back. Let's see. Uh, Mr. Schreiber called. He said it was important. Shall I get him back? Yes, please. I'll take it inside. Yes, Wade. Mills? Uh, look, I've had another conversation with my friend at the North Hollywood station. Apparently, Joanna lied to them about something. All he'd say was uh, she told a whopper, they've checked up on it, and she's in big trouble. Now, he expects Sergeant Ames to go to the DA within the next ten days. If it's about the car, she told you she borrowed Renee's car that night, didn't she? Yeah, she told me that, and I told the police it's not that. They've checked Renee's tires, and they don't match the tracks they found. I didn't know that they'd found any tracks. Oh, yeah, a couple of pretty good ones. Uh, fairly well-worn firestones. Then what else could it be? Well, unfortunately, she's the only suspect who seems to have had both motive and no real alibi to speak of. What about Gladstone's clientele? Surely Ames knows by now he was a pusher. No, Gladstone was very small potatoes, just starting out. Uh, his supplier's in Tijuana, but informers haven't turned up a thing. Wade, you still have a couple of private operatives on the payroll? Yeah. Listen, if you got an angle, tell me. Preston Andrade. He said he was in Tijuana the night of the murder buying cashmere. Now, there's nothing easier to check out. So, what's your point? I don't know. I'm fishing. But people have a tendency to project their own attitudes. Maybe Andrade's the jealous, possessive one. You saying that Boom Boom and Dan Gladstone were playing around? Why not? Well, I... Nils, she's old enough to... to, to what's age got to do with it? To hear you people talk, you'd think that everybody went off into a cocoon or something at the age of... Nils, look, I, I'm sorry, all right? I'll write it down. Preston Andrade, Tijuana, jealous, okay? Anything else? Oh, uh, Andrade's wife died in 1960. I want to know how. Wife, how? And as long as we're reconfirming alibis, find out if Renee and Bobby were really both home on the night of the murder. Motive, jealousy again. Renee, Bobby, both home. Okay, go on. Phil? The kid isn't a suspect. He uses downers more than occasionally. Question who supplied him. Suppose he wanted out, and his source wouldn't leave him alone. And I'd also like to know why he left Hollywood High. Phil, Holly High. Okay. I don't know if Heidi can drive a car. Nils, is there anybody you don't suspect? Certainly. Red. Monday morning, this series went before the cameras with more problems than I care to recount. And my neck stuck out to here for having signed Isabel Chavez. Not to mention my star, Murph Smith's charming acceptance of his leading lady. I am not going to work with that fat-headed Joe. No way ever. I want that human fright way out of my series. I'm the star. I'm getting out. He was an overpaid employee of NFB Productions, and he'd honor his commitment or answer in court, and that's what I told him. We were only a half a day behind schedule at the end of the first day's shooting, and I was badly in need of a drink. Mary was not in the office. She was probably down in the ladies' room. She'd been doing a lot of crying lately. So I had to look for the whiskey myself. 
I found it where she'd filed it, under W. And I was walking into my office in search of a glass. Wade Schreiber was stretched out on my couch, his arm over his face. I made that two glasses. Might as well give me the bad news. I can read it all over you. Mm. Well, if there's one rule a lawyer's trained to live by, it's never get personally involved with a client. Red's in trouble. Nothing a miracle wouldn't cure. Well, if you're going to tell me, tell me. All right, Nils. Brace yourself. You know the 22 that was used to kill Gladstone? They found it? Not yet. But they found out where it was purchased. And a gun dealer says he sold it to a young woman. Let me guess. The woman was a redhead. There'll probably be a warrant out for red by tonight. Warrant for murder? You betcha. Murder one. Sunshine. Things are going. Things are going well with you and me. Future plan together. A ritual life together. And things look right. Life knows how important the future is to you and your family. We've been preparing hard for the future so that your Metropolitan representative is qualified to help you prepare for it better. Because the better prepared you are, the better your future will be. The Zero Hour continues after this. Here's a tip from your Better Business Bureau. Properly cooked vegetables add interest and enjoyment as well as nutrition to a meal. Cooking only long enough to make the vegetable tender tends to preserve more flavor and better texture than prolonged cooking. And when you buy vegetables, demand freshness. Check the characteristic signs of freshness, such as bright, lively color and crispness. Handle produce carefully. Someone must pay for vegetables lost by rough handling, and in the long run, it'll probably be you. Incidentally, don't buy just because of low price. It doesn't pay to buy more vegetables than you can properly store in your refrigerator or you can use without waste. Most vegetables can be stored for two to five days, and it's really penny foolish to buy fresh vegetables affected by decay. Because even if you do trim off the decayed area, rapid deterioration is likely to spread to the salvaged area. A few cents extra for vegetables in good condition is a good investment. Wade Schreiber straight-lined the information. A clerk in a pawn shop in Fraser, a little town in the Imperial Valley, remembered his boss selling a 22 to a young lady from Los Angeles on the 5th or the 6th of May. That was the weekend Joanna and Gladstone had had their big fight. The 6th was also the Sunday Joanna had told the police when she just got into her car and drove and drove through the Imperial Valley. Yeah, if the guy can identify Joanna's picture, they'll have her. They won't have anything except the girl who bought a gun in a moment of fear and panic, probably to defend herself with. Yeah, that's what I like about you, Nils, an unbiased opinion. Have you told Joanna? I would if I could find her, but I can't. I think she's run out. Well, the police know where she is. She's their chief suspect. They must have a tail on her. Your TV detective would have a tail on. A real policeman can't afford those luxuries. Well, she's got to be around. 
Maybe she went to the beach. What, in this weather? Come on, Nils. Doesn't Boom Boom know where she is? No, and no sign of Boom Boom either. No sign of anybody. Except Ellis' granddaughter. Heidi? Andrade tells me that Heidi's been sneaking out of the house at night. Heidi hates Red with a blind passion. Red reminds her of her mother. Suggesting what? That she's trying to get even for the dirty trick her mother pulled on her? Nils, this is a child we're talking about. Children hate and sometimes kill. Where would you expect to see the word paramour in print? Oh, I don't know. Victorian novel? This word was cut out from a magazine. Cheap ink, semi-pulp stock, some letters in color, some hand-lettered. Who are today's Victorians, today's adolescents? And what do adolescents read? Comic books. There were comic books piled to the ceiling in that garage, but anybody in the fourplex could have gotten to them. And you can't be absolutely positive the words were cut out of those comic books. Hmm. Well, I'm working on it. As I entered the sound stage, they had just wrapped up the day's shooting. My star had retreated and peeked to his dressing room. Isabel Chavez was slumped in a canvas chair with her name lettered on it. He's a real thinker, isn't he? He's a talented child who expected us to cast a starlet he could dominate. Not an actress that he'd have to compete with. Oh, oh, for the life of a movie star, the glamour, the excitement, the aching behind. <laughs> You're doing great. Oh, one thing, Isabel, before you go. Yes? I just heard about a deal on four new tires. I can't use them. Wondered if you or maybe Andrade... Not me. I'm in good shape and Andrade just bought some. Oh, really? When? Well, uh, two weeks, I think. I don't suppose you'd remember what they were. Sure, the same as he turned in the uh, firestones. Hasta luego, Patron. It had begun to rain. Ellis was coming toward me across the lot. He was drunk, weaving drunk, as though he'd been wandering, not sure of where he was. He kept widening his eyes in an effort to focus. We stopped under an overhang. Hey, how are you? Mary, Mary said you wanted to see me. Red's in trouble, Leonard. She's going to be arrested. I need a drink. You're going to choke eventually on that poison. Oh, what's the difference? Who'd even notice I was gone? Heidi. Come on, Leonard. Let's get back to the office. Heidi doesn't give a ticker damn about anybody but herself. Her mother's daughter. The bad seed. I know it. I know it. question is, where did her mother get it? Not from my side of the family. Never was a murder on the other side till her. Does it matter what your priest thinks, my friend? Suicide is not murder. Who told you about my daughter? Matter of fact, Red did. She tell you she killed herself? She said that Florence and her husband were a double suicide. Yeah. Florence shot her husband in the head after dinner one night and then stuck the gun in her own mouth and pulled it trigger. I bet they were June the 3rd. She would, she would have been 38 years old yesterday. Oh. <laughs> now you know why the old South started drinking last night and kept it up and up and up. I'm hard. All right, all right, all right. Don't worry, don't worry. 
rain had increased. It fell straight down in steely sheets, roaring onto the pavement. I raced up the slippery steps, on into the building and into my office. Ellis right behind me. Oh, uh, wait, he's just coming in. Mary seemed suddenly flustered. She was on the phone, jiggling it to get her party back. Jack was there, waiting to drive me home. Hi, Mr. Blixton. Hey, do you, can you believe this rain? Jack... Oh, Mary, was was that Britta on the phone? No, it was Heidi for her grandfather, but she's hung up. Leonard, she wants to know if you're coming home. Uh, Mary, Mary, give me your file key. Come on. The bottle's empty. I threw it out. Mary, I want the key. The bar's closed, Leonard. I went into my office and dialed Red immediately. No answer. I put the phone back in its cradle, vaguely conscious of the conversation from my outer office. Mary was on the phone talking to Heidi, something about whether or not Ellis would be coming home for dinner. Heidi, your grandfather says you go ahead, fix yourself a TV dinner, and then he'll eat when he gets there. I saw him lunch for the phone, but the connection had already been broken. Why did you let me talk to her? Leonard, you're too drunk. Now sober up before you go out. Here, have some black coffee. Mary was right. He was drunk. I offered to take him in the cab, but he just walked on ahead of us when Jack and I came out of the office. I told Jack to take me to Red's apartment. The only thing I could hope for was that I'd find her there. I wasn't in the mood for conversation. Hey, I made one up for her. Hmm? A haiku for Miss Redfern. You want to hear it? Listen to this. Snowman on the hill, melting in the springtime sun... That's me when you smile. That's nice, Jack. <laughs> nice? <laughs> you kidding? That's lousy. No, not at all. Not lousy at all. I know exactly what you mean. Exactly. And I did. Exactly. Snowman on the hill, melting in the springtime sun. That's me when you smile. There was no smile when we got to Red's place. There were police cars, flares, and barricades. More units? Any units in the area to 16,000 along the break? A cop in the street was waving for us to drive on. I told Jack to go back to the corner and wait for me. Then I changed my mind when I realized that all of the excitement was at Ellis' apartment. There was no way to make out a voucher in the downpour, so I dug out a $5 bill, paid Jack, and sent him away. Sergeant Ames? Oh, Blixen, where's Miss Redfern? In custody. She's been booked for this murder, too. This murder? In two minutes, I had the story. Detectives Ames and Griswold had been second and third to see the body. Red was first. They found her standing over it. Heidi Ellis was dead. Murdered. And Heidi's blood was all over Red's hands. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. What is a Harrier? It isn't a helicopter, but it could land in your backyard. Harrier. It isn't a conventional jet, but it can match the speed of sound. It's a revolution in aviation, and the Marines are looking for good men to fly it. Carrier, Phantom, Skyhawk, Cobra. 
Marine Corps. If you're a college man thinking of aviation, think Marine Corps and talk to the Marine officer who visits your school. The program is PLC Air, and there's no campus training. A few good men can even get free civilian flying lessons while they're still in college. The Marines are looking for a few good men who want to fly the Harrier, Huey, Intruder, Bronco, and the Marine Corps. Hello, this is William Conrad. If you're planning a trip abroad this year, you'll be returning to the United States through customs. You'll be asked to declare, either orally or in writing, everything you've acquired abroad and have in your possession at the time. Your baggage and belongings will be examined, and during thorough examinations for illegal narcotics, you may experience a slight delay. In order to clear customs more quickly, it's a good idea to keep all sales slips and have them handy when you make your declaration. Also, do your best to pack the articles you've acquired abroad in the same suitcase. Know before you go about customs, rules, and regulations. For free information, contact the U.S. Treasury Department's Bureau of Customs District Office nearest you and ask for customs hints for returning U.S. residents. You'll find the customs office listed in your phone book under U.S. Government. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, someone's death. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. Today's episode brought to you in part by Ford Motor Company and Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater. Heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. This is the Mutual Radio Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.